shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakeland Trail 478 Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Ceballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, once again, here we go with the internationally recognized Inside EMS, the only podcast that takes the Inside EMS. And with me always is my good friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, come on in here and say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. You got that sultry voice today. I kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to be smooth and deboner. Yeah. Is that a <laughs> real word? Deboner? Because anytime de boner, you talk uh, smooth, I know it deboners me. It's so, deboner, uh, yeah. yeah. I think, so. that's a, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, so how things going down there in Louisiana? It's, good. It's good, man. It's it's hot and sweaty, and uh, I'm in the home stretch of my EMT class. Uh, should be wrapping this sucker up on July the 29th. Well, we need uh, to get some of them students on, man. We are, we for? are Come right on. now. I'm trying to, I'm trying hard to find one who likes it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I'd like to get two. I'd like to get one who liked it and one who didn't like actually, it. No, actually, uh, they're they're all doing well in it. They just don't like the format. Uh, they they they're still of that opinion where they would much rather memorize stuff than understand stuff. Yeah. Uh, but their their grades are reflecting uh, the the uh, quality of the. Uh, of the format they're they're doing better in this than they than they have in traditional classes and i do have one girl who's uh who really is was skeptical to begin with and she has actually liked the uh the uh hybrid emt format so we'll we'll have her on as well as one of the uh naysayers that still has a uh, pretty awesome grade so yeah and i think that would be good to hear i mean it would think good be good to hear that kind of that that two-sidedness of mm-hmm. someone who really liked it uh, you know, someone who's been in traditional and then someone who really didn't like it. Because I'd really like to know, well, you know, because I, th- I do think that this is what the future is going to look like. But, mm-hmm. you know, even now I'm working on a project with NAMT to move the new people course to a hybrid component. And mm-hmm. I think that when you talk about, you know, 16 hours of education, when you talk about an eight hour instructor course, we really need to now think about how do we move that stuff online. And I think as educators, we really have to learn you know, what's working for students, what's not working for students, because we're really, we're at the ground floor at this, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and like anything else, the the devil's in the details. Uh, I I certainly learned a lot in, in doing it this way that I'll I'll do differently in my next class, but it's, it's overall, it's been a positive experience, and I'm looking forward to doing more of them. So. Yeah, I mean, because you were kind of skeptical in the beginning to say, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be able to, you know, transition yourself as a, yeah. you know, a traditional platform instructor. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm interested, you know, what you think. I mean, overall, you know, and now you're saying, you know, you're looking forward to the next one. So I guess you're getting the hang yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I, if if there's one thing that it's done positive for me is is it is is highlighted my shortcomings as a speaker and an EMS instructor. Oh, and, interesting. And, How uh, so? Well, I, I, you know, I can stand in front of 500 people and be entertaining and educational well, for an hour. You, and you think you're ready. I, I like to think I can. Yeah, there you go. Thank well, you. Judging from student evaluations, I can. You know, I can be educational and entertaining for an hour or so uh, and and keep people's interest um, from my delivery and, and, uh, and uh, force of personality. But um, 
it's it's infinitely harder to do so over an internet connection for that long. So one of the things I've had to to uh, really um, focus on is is less uh, shorter lectures uh, and much more interaction. So less lectures overall and, and much more question and answer and discussion, uh, which is is tedious sometimes uh, getting uh, responses from people. But uh, if you keep it short, uh, that seems to work a heck of a lot better. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I've noticed that as I'm doing leadership classes online now, they don't get the jokes if they're not seeing you, you know? I mean, you're, yeah. you're kind of making jokes, and because they're not in front of you uh, and, you know, they're not seeing how you're interacting or, or your facial expressions or mm-hmm. something, it does become a lot harder to be entertaining. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's something I'm it, – it was kind of humbling, you know, because I considered myself a, a dynamic instructor, um, but not dynamic enough to do it the way I do in front of a live audience and have it – have it uh, play well at, uh, on an internet connection definitely not so oh, interesting interesting yeah and uh, i'm sure there'll be a great uh, article coming from you on that yeah there is there is uh got one just turned it into to our beloved editor-in-chief greg freeze uh today so That's hopefully nice it'll be coming it out in the next month i'm doing my best patrick the starfish impression since he's going to be on with us in a few minutes i i figured i'd, I'd go ahead this is greg freeze with the ms educast Man, you are. You, that's it, Greg. I just want you to know you are sitting in the green room, and uh, that's not. Uh, that's of course Kelly, not me. I'm making fun of you. But with that transition, Kelly, well, let's go ahead and take a seat at the guest table. And I got to tell you, we, we really need to be on our best behavior when we talk about uh, our next guest because our next guest is not only a you know a legendary podcaster in his own right, you know, an incredible clinical educator. I mean, this is the guy. I mean, this is the guy that got me in the podcast. I want to, you know, a lot of people see Tom Brady and they want to be quarterbacks or, you know, they see Leonardo DiCaprio and they want to be on Titanic. Me, my mentor right here, the guy that got me into podcasting, EMS One Editor-in-Chief, Greg Freeze. Greg, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Chris Kelly. Hey, Greg, how are you, brother? Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's, uh, you know, I'm watching and listening to you be so animated, and for all the grief that you and Kelly have given me through the years about my relatively uh, steady, course, I yeah. call it, you guys maybe call it flat, I call it steady right. uh, delivery, uh, I'm surprised that I've inspired anyone to do anything, uh, let alone uh, talking to a microphone. That's right. Uh, but I guess uh, I guess uh, maybe uh, it's just the synapses. You heard my voice, and uh, one thing led to another, and you thought I, I can do better than that guy. And lo and behold, you have. I don't know, man. It's like mother's milk. It just gives me that warm feeling inside every time <laughs> I hear that voice. But uh, you know, a slow and steady wins the race. Remember that. But so you know, Greg. You know, it's really great every time we have you on. I got to say, you know, kudos to you and the and the job that you and your team are doing for EMS One, and you know, you're keeping us updated and everything that's going on. And you know, one of the big things that just happened recently was the Orlando shooting. And I know this is one of the things that we had chatted about uh, subsequently, you know, after the shows and before the shows. And you know, I, I know you wanted to kind of weigh in on that. So let me kind of give you the floor and. Uh, you know, and having you on, when we talk about having you on, it's really when you say, I'm, I'm coming on, we really don't have a say in that. So <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that we're having you on, you know, as much yeah, as it is. It wasn't, I'm gonna be on. it wasn't an invitation. That's right. Was, that's right. Uh, we're going to do this. No. Uh, so, Chris, uh, again, you know, one of the things that came up uh, after 
uh, the shooting in Orlando at the Pulse nightclub. And uh, Justin Shore wrote a great uh, blog post about this. And it was about that one of the things that he assumed the paramedics encountered and the police and the fire personnel that were on scene is that, you know, once the living were evacuated or on their way to the hospital, those still sorting through the casualties uh, were hearing lots of cell phones, lots of phones ringing, buzzing, chirping as loved ones went in search of uh, their friends and family that they either knew or feared were inside the nightclub at the time of the shooting and the subsequent uh, hostage standoff. And you know, Justin's point was that, you know, Maybe just a few years ago or five or ten years ago, what uh, paramedics and other responders would have encountered and heard would have been silence. That they're just uh, because of the technology shift and all of us going everywhere with our smartphones now, now they hear uh, ringing and chirping and beeps and buzzes. And I thought uh, Justin did a really fantastic service to all of us. Not that we should fear those noises, but we might expect those noises. And I'm a really strong believer that the more we can front load our brains for things that we might or expect or encounter in the field, then we might be better off uh, to handle them when we do have that. Then there's a worry that develops that sometimes we have situations where we talk about you know if you encounter this you'll do that if you see this you'll do that if this happens then this you know if you see a traumatic bleeding from an extremity apply a tourniquet we're going to practice uh, applying tourniquets we're going to watch videos about how that happens and we're front-loading people's brains on the other end of the continuum we do this thing in ems quite often where Maybe somebody has a bad pediatric call. I've already done it, right? I've already called it a bad pediatric call. Somebody goes on a pediatric call and the patient outcome is poor. And then that person comes back to the station and their coworkers say, oh, those calls are the worst. Oh, bad pediatric calls. Those really get to me. Or a lot of people, those are the worst. You're really going to struggle to handle that. And then we've just loaded that paramedic's mind up with like, do I have, does, should this bother me? And I, I sort of put it back to you of like, you know, if you're on a scene and there's all sorts of cell phones ringing and going unanswered, you know, how are you going to handle that? Like, if you know that's a possibility, what can you do now to prepare yourself for that if you encounter it someday? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think one of the things that I got from it before I answer your question was, you know, in the article, it really kind of puts you there at that point in time. I mean, when you know, when we hear these things happening, Greg, we really have to be able to take time and think about how are we going to handle these with inside our coverage area, within our own systems. But you know, what 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 he brought us in that article was a component that probably none of us would have thought about until he said it. Then you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, he's right. I mean, I guess that would be going on. So I think when we have that stimulus, and I think all the EMS providers that are out there, I think that we've gotten into the the tunnel vision of when we're on a mass casualty or when we're on a traumatic scene of the things that we have to do and that we've got to get done. And a lot of times we're not hearing the things that are going on around us. But I would think in a situation like that where where you're looking at just the horror of, of this shooting, 
and you start to hear and you start to now piece you know uh put those pieces of a puzzle together that these are loved ones that'll never see these people again um i think it does something to you i think it does put a little something inside you to say how do you now have to you know deal with this tragedy you know one of the things that i want to bring up of something that you said and i'm going to kick it back to you was you know you talked about when you get back to the station and you're kind of talking about that pediatric call one of the things that we're starting to find now with the newer workforce is that they're not talking about it either. Mm. They're, they're coming back and they're getting back on their computers and they're getting back on their cell phones and they're getting back on their iPads. They're not sitting around the table like we used to. And, and we were at least able to, to get that out instead of compartmentalizing those feelings. But the newer workforce isn't learning how to do that. So there's even a bigger fear of now... Uh, dealing with the with the the chirps and the rings and the buzzes, yeah. and now not being able to get those feelings to the forefront. Yeah, so I think you're making an assumption that it's helpful to sit around the kitchen table and tell war stories. I think it's probably very helpful for some people. Um, it's I I think of many things on the continuum. So on one end. There's probably some people it's very helpful to sit around the kitchen table or millennia ago they sat around a campfire and told war stories. And then on the other end of the the continuum, there's probably people that it's absolutely terrible for them. And it it compounds and worsens other fears, problems they have in life. And then there's maybe some group in the middle of the continuum where it doesn't help them and it doesn't hurt them. Um, and so then their role becomes especially important to recognize um, by participating in this conversation at the kitchen table, am I helping some of my coworkers or am I harming some of my coworkers? And that piece I think is really difficult for any of us to navigate in uh, social situations of how to facilitate conversations uh, that are helpful to people uh, and then potentially not harmful to somebody that might really be at risk uh, from that sort of storytelling process. Well, I think that makes sense. And I guess you're right. I guess you can't lump everybody into one bucket mm-hmm. and say that's how we deal with it. So let me ask you this, though, Greg, and, and I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I've got this question, one more question just uh, to follow up with you. So as the editor-in-chief now of EMS1, and as we start to talk about and we're seeing all these sure. these terrorist activities that are happening uh, in our world, especially in the United States, what is it from your side that you want to try to get across to the people that are reading and, and you know, surfing EMS1? And, or is there something that they can, you know, share with you so, you know, you can share it with the rest of the uh, subscribers? So, yeah, what, what advice or what, what information do you have? Chris, uh, thanks for the question. You know, uh, Matt Zavatsky, who's at uh, MedStar, the other day posted on Facebook a question about he's working on something about professionalism and EMS or how to make this a career and if I had any advice for new paramedics and I've been kicking this around for uh, recently of like my top advice for new paramedics and new graduates is become an old paramedic and that it's uh, very troubling to me that uh, some people are maybe only in this field for a couple of years especially if they rack up a bunch of college debts or it delays, you know, 
the they drop into EMS and then hop out towards something else that they'd rather be doing, or that the just the people that leave uh, so quickly because of physical injury or uh, maybe mental injury or traumatic stress. You know, so I think about this of like, how do you become an old paramedic? And a few thoughts uh, come to mind and ones that I want to keep coming back to thematically for EMS providers and some of these I've been talking about for years is first of all, nobody cares about your safety more than you care about your safety. And, you know, I often think of uh, my friends that are flight medics and how quickly they will say, we have the best pilots. You know, I have nothing to worry about. We have the best pilots. And well, eventually some of those pilots uh, don't make good landings. And so you always have to put your safety uh, top and not be assuming that anybody else gives a rip about you. And then the other thing I think that's always been really important to me and this connects back to uh, personnel that respond to these mass shooting incidents and any sort of thing that might be a trigger or a risk for traumatic stress is that I think we are very confident that the more you can handle and manage the day-to-day stress of life, the better prepared you will be for one of those like off-the-chart sentinel events. So managing day-to-day stress with exercise, healthy eating, alcohol, abstinence or moderation, not turning to vices like tobacco and other drugs to sort of calm your nerves. Um, And then having um, a peer support team, whether it's like formalized in your organization or something that you develop informally that, you know, I have a number of people in sort of my personal professional network that if I have a bad day or have one of those off the chart spikes, I feel like I have a relationship that I could call them, including you up in the middle of the night, say, Chris, something's, I got, I'm in a bad spot right now. I got to talk. And I think, so Become an old paramedic, take care of yourself, manage the day-to-day, develop a a, a stress network, Um, and then just remember that uh, there's always resources available that you're not alone. Uh, Last week, uh, this is just my final thought on this question, Chris. Last week, uh, there was an EMT in Alabama that was killed by her spouse, who was also an EMT. And it reminded me if I once had a paramedic student that I spent a shift with and she a few weeks later was murdered by her husband, also a firefighter. Um, And after that incident, I went to the employee assistance program that my employer made available. And it was really one of the best decisions I've ever made was just to say, I'm not sure I have enough to handle this on my own. I should get some help and um, talk to somebody. And it was great. It was it was like the right thing to sort of steady me as a paramedic, coworker, a dad, a father, husband, that sort of thing. And the reason that I sought out my employee assistance program, employer's assistance program, is the leaders of our organization regularly reminded us that not only was that resource available, we were encouraged to use it. I remember there was posters up in the 
in the uh, bathrooms about how to access the employee assistance program. There's emails that went out periodically. They let us know that that resource was there and made it a perfectly normal, acceptable thing to seek it out. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I mean, one of the things that you bring up there is that a lot of organizations have that strong resource, but there's a stigma behind it that we don't mm-hmm. want to get into it. We don't want to use it. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that to light. And, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate that point that if any time that we need uh, to talk to somebody, whether it's a peer, whether it's EAP, you need to take that. So I guess the last thing for you, Greg, is, you know, as the editor-in-chief, what could we expect over the next couple months of VMS1? I mean, what's going on? What are we working on? What could the uh, uh, folks out there listening expect as we get into the future months? Well, Chris, great question. I would say top of the list is going to be more great articles from Kelly Grayson. Uh, he had one recently oh called my uh, God, 10. Greg, you really had to go there? Jesus. He, he had one recently called 10 Obsolete EMT Skills at that article has uh, really been a hit with the audience. I think Kelly had fun writing it. I think uh, the audience is having fun talking about it, um, either sort of aging themselves. You know, a lot of comments of like, well, I remember eight out of 10 of those. Uh, that that might be me. Uh, I guess I'm an old uh, paramedic or EMT. Uh, so that's uh, top of the list. Then, uh, you know, later this month, so which is July, we're going to be at the Pinnacle EMS Conference. And one of the things we're publishing is called uh, the State of EMS Report that the EMS-1 and Fitch, we're embarking on a multiple year uh, study of the EMS agencies across the United States, where we're going to be asking a series of questions over time to look for trends and things that emerge. So we're just about to release the uh, first year's report, which will set the foundation for upcoming years. And then I think other things that, you know, readers will continue to see, you know, of course we've got a steady group of uh, columnists that have been with us for a long time, but we're regularly introducing new writers. Uh, EMTs and paramedics come to us all the time, you know, with the idea of something that they want to write about. Uh, so I think that is uh, another thing. And, you know, we're going to continue our commitment to, helping EMTs and paramedics do their jobs and safer and more effectively. And, um, you know, we just posted something today about a new website called First Help. Another article went up today about safe sleep rooms in EMS stations. Uh, And we posted a news article today about an agency in Maine that's purchasing body armor for their personnel. So, you know, I think that commitment, long-standing commitment to safety will be uh, high on the list for EMS providers when they visit EMS1.com. Well, I know that we really appreciate all those resources because, and, and regardless of what year you're in, when you talk about the 10 obsolete EMT skills and how long you've been doing it, it, it's great that we can go to a place and have, you know, those resources that we can read about best practices or read about what the up and coming things are. So, Greg, if somebody has an idea for an article or if they just want to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, they can send me an email, editor at ems1.com, and we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, we also get a lot of visitors to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash paramedic. Uh, and if they want, they can send me a message through the uh, Facebook page. And then, of course, uh, look for me at uh, different EMS industry events and conferences and say hello. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. And please, you know, I joke with you in the beginning, but uh, don't make it so long that you're uh, on the show. 
and uh, come back and be a regular. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. So, Chris, I want to point out that uh, Greg specifically highlighted something I wrote. Uh, I, I noticed the distinct lack yeah, of mention yeah. of anything okay, that Greg, you, you see did. What you're doing, Greg, you see what you're doing? You created a monster here. <laughs> Man, I'm looking forward to writing more of those. It's just uh, it's kind of a trip back down memory lane. And, and one of the things uh, about um, the nice thing about uh, EMS One is we're constantly pushing the boundaries and trying to to pick new things and new ways to reach our, our readers and listeners and, and uh, looking forward to doing more of those. Oh, man, this wasn't about you. Let's go ahead and get back to Greg. But but it is about me, man. Okay, well, well that's what you think. Okay, so yeah, anyway. That is what I think, and that's what Greg thinks, and that's what Chris thinks, but we'd like to hear what you think. Share your thoughts, concerns, comments, and questions at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself, co-host Chris Ceballero, and our esteemed editor-in-chief, Greg Freeze. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>